Borax on Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 67th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for August 1981, progs 223 to 227. This is a big damn week. That's um, oh, so so much fucking content <laughs> after almost a year of constant updates we'll reach the end of meltdown man johnny alpha returns to duty we'll see the face of nemesis of the warlock and judge death lives oh it's really awesome and he's got friends now he's not just a lone dog we're in lone god he's, he's got a wolf pack <laughs> exactly man we're in goddamn flavor country right now for 2000 ad Oh, hell yeah. So, let's get things started off with Thrill One, Tharg the Mighty. Uh, Art Robots, Ian Gibson is cute to work. Letting Robot, Tony Jacob, just one Tharg the Mighty this month, Fox. Yeah, we're finishing up his weird nightmare thing where my nightmare becomes reality and a man is tickling a bird. (laughs) Yeah, so Tharg's in a coma. He's on an alien planet. Um, the aliens prepare, yeah, to tickle the Guji bird to ensure a good year, sort of Groundhog Day style. Guji. Um, meanwhile, an army of art and script robots have descended on the nearby hospital to turn their work into Tharg. I like all the all these robots. I'm starting to recognize them now. Like I see, like the McMahon <laughs> bot and the Brian Bolland bot. Um, I I think I've also figured out who the uh, Gibson and the Pat Mills bot are as well. I've I, I've identified those. Um, Which one's the Pat Mills bot? He's like sort of just to the like. So that's the Gibson bot turning in the Sam Slade stuff, and then there's sort of the Pat mm. Mills bot that kind of or then the Mills bot's kind of got this like the flared hair and stuff like that. It looks a uh, lot the, the nose and all that. Yeah. yeah, that's like a younger version of what current Pat Mills looks like. Well, that that's what I'm guessing. Um, if you think I've seen a YouTube video with him, then certainly talking possible. About stuff. Oh yeah, he he he'll talk about it. Um, you know, I don't know. No, <laughs> Pat, Pat, Pat Mills is a cool guy, and definitely the first person anybody interviews when they talk about 2000 AD stuff. You know, he always he always prominently featured for sure. Um, oh, okay. So Bert reads his submissions to Tharg until he suddenly recognizes a nearby news team as those dictators of Zrag. Oh, God. <laughs> What's, I uh, guess, he going to do? He, like, runs toward them, sort of bringing to mind uh, AALN1's run at the D- dictators of Zrag before getting zapped. But instead he trips and, like, distracts them, basically. <laughs> this is... Try to hit him with the camera and everything that's, yeah. like, keeping Tharg in the nightmare zone. Right. It's enough to allow Tharg to finally god-mode his way out of dream world and back into reality. <laughs> he dispatches the dictators to the dream realm themselves, and he teleports to the fancy festival dinner, where it's revealed that the Guji bird is in on the whole let's have a good year thing. Like, I always squawk three times, man. This is my meal ticket. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, is that what he means, or is this some kind of, like, wink, wink, nod, nod to something I don't understand? I feel like it's just sort of the punchline is like, yeah, we tickle the Guji bird, and it squawks three times. Luckily, it always squawks three times. The Guji bird is like, yep, you know, I always do. It's like how... That's the salt. Yeah. MF. It, it's like how, uh, you know, Punxsutawney Phil is really just a, an, an implement of the city fathers of the city of Punxsutawney Phil of uh, 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 Pennsylvania, you know? It's a weird fucking tradition. Yeah. Hey, speaking of furry animals, though, Fox. Oh, man. 
Yeah. Thrill to Strontium Dog. Uh, script ro- touched my heart, says. It's tough, man. Script robot Alan Grant, art robot Collar Scare, learning robot Jack Potter. So, at the doghouse, the headquarters of the strong team dogs, Johnny and Wolf turn in some bounties and get a telegram for the Gronk. Oh no, his people are in dangers and only he can help. Let's ride. Not uh, before passing out a little bit because they're in danger. His I'm, poor hearts. Is- yeah, I mean, all the Gronks, they got weak constitutions. Their hearts could burst at any time. So the thing that got me about this was they're they're turning in these two dudes and they get their 50,000 credits. And we know, you know, they need the cash because last time we saw these dudes, they were pretty hungry for it. Yep. And, uh, like, the Gronk's just like, listen, Johnny, we got to help him. And without even batting an eyelash, he's like, yeah, I think about 50,000 will get us a super fast ship. Let's go. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I mean- no bullshit about it. Johnny's just a nice dude. Hey man, they're they're a team, and you know, team means you got to sacrifice. Plus, you know, there's a galaxy full of like varmints that can be um, arrested. You know, it's no problem. There'll be more. (laughs) It's just like super nice. It's one of those things I like about strong team. Totally, yeah. No, these guys are friends, and they and they they look out for each other for sure. So, um, on the planet Blast, home of the Gronks, we meet Mister Slug, who's a big old lizard man that eats Gronks whole and loves their fancy pelts. He's uh, it's like really weird. He just slurps. You, you it just down see his a bunch gullet. of a bunch of Gronk feet sticking out of his mouth as he eats them. It's crazy. He he's uh. hired the Weird Brothers, his cousin Silence, who we'll recall from the Journey to Hell story and the recent Portrait of a Mutant. To cull the population of Gronks for their f- fur and get their meat for his belly. <laughs> the, uh, the Gronks. legit dudes. It's terrible, man. The Gronks are, uh, are passive cowards and a bunch of thugs <laughs> with clubs causes a lot of them to just die from heart attacks. And they're just super oh, cruel, God. like clubbing them to death so that they don't mess up the fur for, by uh, killing them, using like the hooks on the ends of their clubs to pull them out of holes and stuff. I mean, the whole thing's basically just kind of a reference to, um, to like, seal, see, ma- yeah, baby seal yeah to, to baby seal stuff and, and uh, killing harp seals and stuff. But seeing it's done, especially. It's really horrible. And especially for the Gronks, which are in fact like a sentient race and stuff, it's like somehow even worse. It's like, damn, man, like, yeah. the, it, there is a shot of them just, like, wailing on them, and I'm just like, oh, God. It's pretty rough. Uh, they attack the Gronk post office, and it turns out that it's them who have sent the Gronk, uh, sent the Gronk the SOS message, not the actual, not the other Gronks, and this whole thing is a trap to take down Johnny Alpha. Devious pricks. Yeah. Our boys speed to the planet Blast, where they find, um, huge drying racks full of Gronk fur, and it's pretty horrifying. Oh, it's horrible. They ride out to assure the remaining Gronks that help has arrived, but the Gronks inform that, that they didn't send the telegram, and, you know, of course, we know that the Weird Brothers did. The evil Kurt, Mr. Curso Slug continues to enjoy meals of whole Gronk. And it's, like, insane. We get a menu that's yeah, just, like, it's just ridiculous. Gronk foot soup with crusty bread, and <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah, Kentucky Fried Gronk. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the bro- the weird brothers send their goons down to trap more furs and run a- and they immediately run afoul of Johnny and Wolf who just start shooting these trappers mercilessly in a sweet one sided gunfight. The name's Johnny Alpha und Wolf Sternhammer, and we've come to kill you. And they're just like blah 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 yeah, blah, blah 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 blah. It's so great. <laughs> um, a survivor makes it back to the ship's communicator. 
and uh, warns the weird brothers who are stoked because they get to finally get a chance to get a crack at Johnny Alpha. I don't know if I'd be stoked to like be on Johnny Alpha's shit list. These guys are definitely way overestimating their ability to go toe to toe with Johnny. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so Johnny and Wolf take down the poachers as the Weird Brothers uh, put their plan into action. They shoot Mr. Slug and fly down to the planet to get revenge on Johnny for trapping them in Hell World way back in Prog 115, episode 34 of our show. Uh, they Wow, turns out that this was just a long game for them to do game. that. Yeah. Um, they, they, they come down in a spaceship and they make a, a couple strafing run, runs on our guys. But Johnny uses a well-placed time bomb to warp everybody out of danger and then fire back at the ship with a number four cartridge. Oh, yeah. Guess who explodes? Yeah, takes him down. They crash somewhere and Johnny takes the, the ship the poachers came down in, puts a mini nuke on it and sends it back to the mothership and it destroys the uh, the whole all the poacher ship and all the poachers there as Mister Slug eats one last roast Gronk. Dude, anytime that they use a mini nuke, it's solid, <laughs> I'm man. So happy. Somewhere, somewhere, Ron Gronkowski is a uh, fist pumping, and he doesn't even know why. You know, dude. The, I don't understand. That's that Patriots the the tight end for the New England Patriots who everybody calls the Gronk. You know, whatever. Oh, I had no idea. Sure. There's a football player whose whose last name is Gronkowski. And everybody calls him Gronk or the Gronk or whatever. So it's it's kind of a funny is he, thing. Is he gentle and and medically trained? No, he's a giant dude who parties twenty four seven. Awesome. It's pretty good. Uh, th- though uh, he he does look like the kind of of he's the kind of guy who, who he's the kind of Gronk that would come to America to play professional football. Actually, but uh, <laughs> the, the the weird brothers have landed in the Neverglades, which is a terrifying swamp on the Gronk world. They fight off tentacle monsters and try to set an ambush for for Johnny and Wolf, but no dice. Uh, silent weird takes a hammer to the gut. Accidentally hits an ejector yeah. seat on the seat he's fl- on, on the chair he's sitting in, and flies straight into the maw of a swamp monster. Oh, good old fashioned maw crunching. Yeah, Johnny saves the two remaining weirds from uh, you know just sort of swamp monster attack and tosses them both guns. On the count of three, we draw. Come up shooting or come up dead. And Fox, the weirds, not fast enough, man. They come up dead. Oh. Dude, they die so hard and so fast. And after, like, chiding him for being, like, a good guy. Yeah. You thought you'd make it fair, but we'll win. Nah, buddy. Because you're terrible at this gunfight and stuff. Not like Wolf and... Not like Wolf and Johnny, buddy. So, uh... We, we, we then cut to the Gronks performing funeral rites around, like, the drying racks oh. of the skins of their fellows. It's very sad. Um... Wolf and Johnny apologize just because, sort of, the, you know, even if indirectly, their actions caused the Weird Brothers to come to the planet and do all this stuff to sort of mm. to sort of pull them out. So obviously, you know, they take they, they take some responsibility for it, and they yeah. load up and they're off to the next job. Basically, I was actually going to ask you about that because I wasn't particularly certain. Like <clears throat> at the end. You know, they're, they're, we, we appreciate the gesture, but there's no way we're going to take some pelts because it's super immoral. Yeah. And uh, them just saying, like, yeah, we owe you one and it's something we can never repay. I was curious about that. And that, I think, makes a lot of sense. 
they feel somehow responsible for the whole act. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the weirds are sort of there because they're trying, you know, because they're trying to endanger the Gronks to sort of be able to try to get get an ambush on Johnny and Wolf, you know. Mm. So I think they definitely. I mean, you know, in the end, you can't take too much responsibility for the actions of crazed mutant <coughs> madmen, you know. But I think yeah. you can definitely f- at least feel bad about it, you know. <laughs> Even if it's not like, you know, it's you just, should feel bad. Yeah, you, you should mean, feel bad, but it's it. also like it's not directly your fault. It, it's, it's one of those things that a supervillain says where they blame Superman for something because Superman won't submit to their plan. You know, like in the end, it's not Superman's fault for not giving into evil. It's the evil guy's fault for being evil in the first place. You know what I mean? But that's, that's how I fair. that's how I see it, at least. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So next time on Strontium Dog, the kid knee caper. Kidney caper. Yeah, I'm a big fan of kidney, man. It's good. Now it's time for us to get to the other side, man, as we go to Thrill 3, Nemesis the Warlock. Oh my god, it's so good! Oh my god, man. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kev O'Neill, lettering robot Steve Potter. Oh man, dude. <laughs> Just the visuals alone. Yeah, it, it's this stuff has a very... um. It looks super distinctive, just the way the the really sharp lines, all the uh, stuff in the margins and the illuminated text and stuff. It just looks like it looks um like nothing else in 2000 AD. It really reminds me a lot of uh of Cerebus, the the Dave Sim comic, which also kind of deals with sort of out of control religion stuff and has a similar sort of um mix of incredibly intricate and sort of um like more sketchy or sketch like um art and stuff yeah, of course yeah highly recommended if or no sorry not a, i like cerebus but it's an incredibly problematic fave for sure extremely problematic oh really oh yeah anyhow we ret- we return this week to the evil brother Behel of termite of the termite empire putting a race of alien shape changers to the sword the few survivors wonder where Nemesis was, but are reassured that humanity will eventually get what's coming to them soon enough. It's just that Nemesis can't Dude, be everywhere. The most gruesome thing I've ever seen in this comic happens where a man cuts off a woman's head and holds it aloft. It's pretty awesome. It's like, it's so evil. Mm-hmm. Back on Earth, Behel is planning to make himself the new Grand Master, even as a priest warns him that Torquemada is still alive and not to be trifled with. So all oh, the this, all- this is the entrance to a room, by the way, that is across a catwalk that you have to exit a giant evil-looking snakehead into a giant standing man's torso. Yeah, it's Earth is just full of <sighs> these gigantic statues, teeming like tube motorways. Everything it's everything's so detailed so cool. and so just completely otherworld <laughs> and like ultra like gothic and 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 like just s- simply amazing. Honestly, so um, beautiful. That anyway. yeah, that night Behel is visited by the ghost of Torquemada, who frightens Behel so much that he falls into the alien pit, where conquered alien species are dumped and mutate into mind-meltingly ugly beasts. Behel is killed by the alien menace. And, yeah, and we see that a Torquemada has returned. He rides his golden gunship as some kind of like freaky specter <laughs> guy, and he dispatches Dude. a transport ship full of, like, gold or something, with minimal escorts to draw Nemesis out. The plan works as the transport is revealed to be a man-o'-war. It scores a direct hit on the Blitz Spear, Nemesis' ship, and sends it crashing down into the world of Earth's end. 
The crash is seen by town dullard Nose Drip, whose nose is indeed always dripping, and he gathers the rest <laughs> of the townsfolk to investigate. They find Nemesis, like, knocked out, weeping blood, and man, Nemesis looks crazy, Fox. Dude, and, like, the whole time, this, like, drippy dude is is just being, or Nose Drip, excuse yeah. me, is just being, like, dismissed by all of these people who are kind of gross. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> like yeah. All the townsfolks are all, they're all real ugly and like real dumb. Um, and they all just like. <laughs> Which I think says something about people who love this empire. Yeah, they, they just live ugly, dumb lives, doing ugly, dumb things, basically. Um, yep. But they do manage to have the demon nemesis, the warlock, at their mercy. We get a full shot of Nemesis here, so let's get into it. Uh, he's got hooves, he's got yeah. backwards knees, he's got a, a powerful bipedal body, and like like a pointy dragon head that's got like Doberman ears, and his his mouth is just like sort of on his neck, and it's just full of like straight teeth, almost like the grill of a car or something like that. And um, Credo indeed. Yeah, the front of his head has this big like sort of a uh, cross cross piece like like fin kind of thing and he's got like uh doberman mm. ears coming off the back of his head and an exposed spine it's so yeah, that's my cool. favorite thing is the spine that connects to his spine yeah man you gotta you gotta do, do some image searches on nemesis man because he's just got a lot going on and it's very cool his belt's awesome it's just a bunch of different interlocking skulls yeah so the townsfolk delight in tormenting the warlock as they tie him up. They hit and spit on him, rip off his armor, drag him into town, leave him hanging from the gallows right out in front of the town. It's horrible. They're waiting for the termites to come to collect the bounty. And everybody's planning to do what they'll do with their reward and all seems well. But on the third night of waiting for the Terminators to arrive, a cry goes up from the village. Oh, shit. They show Nemesis being hung in the town square. There's a Tharg note to not try this at home, which seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Soon, terrible vengeance starts to be visited upon the people of the town of Earthsand. Uh, a butcher that struck Nemesis cuts that hand off by accident and dies of blood loss. Uh, a robot smith. The, the robot smith who strung Nemesis up is choked to death by uh, by some deadly zluts snakes. And yeah. the widow Grundy who ripped off Nemesis's armor finds her bedroom pitch black because it's covered in a swarm of flies that cover her body and eat her alive. It's so fucking gross. I it's, loved her bed. She's like, she's this super vigilant person. She's got this like tiny, um, yeah, like a uh, single statue. like 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 a Torquemada be pure like bed set basically. Yeah, it, like the whole be pure lifestyle is this woman's thing, and it's just she gets eaten by flies. It's I find crazy. That yeah. Frightened by the curse of Nemesis, the rest of the townsfolk free him and let him go on his way. Don't mess with this dude. Credo! Credo! <laughs> Motherfucker's gonna get eaten. 
Yeah, buddy. Uh, the hu- so finally, the human purity last seen in Prague 179, episode, our episode 55. Oh, right. She sort of picked up the phone to save Nemesis from the teleport line and killer Watt. And her friend Googly have been found out and are on the run from the Terminators. The art here is amazing, if hard to describe, oh, as the pair just yeah. run through these gravity-bending cityscapes. They're just sort of like an ultra-gothic M.C. Escher-like yeah. chaotic landscape. Just people run, run around on the ceiling, on walls, everything being incredibly ornate, full of huge statues and oh. filigrees and other things like that. That was actually my favorite placard. It was like, here people lived like ants dip deep beneath the earth, um, safe yeah. from all this stuff. But like in this nightmare world, hundreds of termites were driven insane every day just by looking out their windows. And yeah. there's this guy who's looking out his window saying, here comes my 19th nervous breakdown. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Yeah. They escape over huge hover speedways. They eventually find a sanctuary deep in the center of the earth. But then Torquemada reveals himself. He's been possessing the dead body of Google. He's been dead for several days, animating it with his evil energies. So gross. It's awesome, man. Torquemada calls down the, the Terminators on the sanctuary, and Purity and the others are arrested. Next time, Brother Gogol's problem. Oh, man. Comic is so goddamn good. It's pretty amazing, dude. I'm really in love with uh, with this fucking warlock business, man. Yeah, man, it's really nice. The art's just so arresting, and the story's so like really fun, and just has a lot of this crazy, just sort of like yeah, like ultra racist future humans and crazy demons and people fighting against it and stuff. It's just got a lot of things that you that everybody likes, you know. It it just feels like the world's already so fucking detailed. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, and you get really lost in like just pictures. Like I'll I'll read a page and then it's just kind of looking at like what happened and what's going on. Yeah, the art's so intricate really, and detailed. So yeah, you can really get lost in like individual panels and stuff. It's, kind of. I mean, like the pit, like that the alien pit that they got thrown into. Yeah. Like that's just this big meat world of like gross things and like mm-hmm. decaying oh, it's just like oh, fucking great i really everything's like good that's just let- love this comic yeah. nemesis starts real good stays real good that's all i can say oh that's exciting god <laughs> thank christ yeah so let's move on to things less exciting fox as we go to oh. non-thrills covers and nerve centers we start with Praga 223, The Alien Pit. Uh, Kev O'Neill draws Brother Behel. Oh, no, sorry, not Brother. Sorry, he draws, yeah, sorry. Kev O'Neill draws a crazy murder monster. It's got no feet, but at least three <laughs> mouths and lots of eyes. I love the little tiny one on his stomach. Definitely, yeah. It's a little side mouth. You know, it's okay. That That's for direct food to the stomach, you know. In the uh, mm-hmm. in the nerve center, headbanger Tharg describes a UFO encounter. I guess um, letters <laughs> demand to hear letters from other planets, but Tharg apparently makes a different nerve center for each planet he distributes the comic to. Hey, man, it just makes sense. That's yeah. pretty fair. Although not entirely true all the time, because some people write in pretending to be something else. Yeah, these kids. Um, (laughs) In response to another letter, Tharg puts out a bounty on a picture of Tharg the Jolly. There's also a picture of a spaceship mining in the asteroid belt, and I am highly skeptical about its originality. 
Um, also starting in Prague 224, the price of the Prague is going up to 16 pence. Boo! Oh my god, there will be blood. <laughs> There's also a collection of, Dr- of Judge Dredd art, including Dredd's Dirt Bike by Stephen Meadows, which I quite like. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Prague 224, Judge Death Lives. Uh, so awesome. Brian Ballin depicts the release of The Greatest of Evils. In the nerve center, Thog apologizes for the price increase and plugs both new Strontium Dog story stories and movie reviews by Rojas. There's a pretty good Meltdown Man cast picture in the letters and a, re- and a request to replay some old class some classic old thrills, but weekly progs are for new thrills only. <laughs> Mid prog Rojas removes uh, reviews, I should say, two movies: uh, the superhero bomb Condor Man, and I think Rojas' seven out of ten rating is one of the best reviews Condor Man got. And of course. Womp womp. Ultra Mega Classic Raiders of the Lost Ark, which gets a fully justified 10 out of 10. Yeah, it's so awesome. I've, I got the face-melting scene alone. I Go mean, see that movie, Children so, of the Past. So much of Raiders of the Lost Ark is so key, both as a movie itself and as an inspiration for movies that come after it, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Um... Finally, this prog ends with a pinup of Nemesis the Warlock in all of his glory. He's sitting on a living throne, holding an axe in one hand and a Terminator helmet in the other. Oh, it's just so dope. God, I love Nemesis so much. It's Yeah, he looks so cool. Prog 225, Dark Justice in Mega City 1. Brian Ballin draws a classic signature cover, throwing, showing the Dark Judges in all their glory. This one gets reprinted again and again whenever something's like you know any uh collection of this story this is the cover of it pretty much man i've got some feelings about these dudes which we'll get to let's do it yeah i've got two clear favorites oh yeah okay i'm 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 stoked to hear it in the nerve center popeye tharg laments problems about moving offices there's a pretty good judge death picture and several letters that um, lead to a award awarding of of Krill Tro Thargo status. Um, there's, all, oh, there's also a, a question about Judge Faye's prediction from the start of the Judge Child. And for the record, like mm-hmm. Faye said, the, the 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 disaster would be in 2021, which is 16 years from uh, 1982. It's currently 2004 in the Dread calendar. Uh, mm. Although there are also big disasters looming for Mega City One. Don't uh, get it twisted here, guys. <laughs> Damn. Mid-Prog, Rojas reviews both Outland and Clash of the Titan. Titans, Outland, sort of a sci-fi version of High Noon starring Sean Connery. Clash Titans, of course, the uh, the classic Ray Harryhausen uh, 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 movie. Mm. Both get 7 out of 10. The pro- I've never seen Outland. I don't think it's essential, I'd say. The pro- okay. Yeah, the prog ends with more mean arena teams drawn by readers. I'd say the best is, is clearly the uh, Fort William Fists. The armor is sort I mean, of, it, yeah, it's super spiky, it's sort of a combo of Master Chief and like a Nurgle Chaos Space Marine. <laughs> I, I like the other one is a hat and like a wolf man. Yeah. Now kind of a mouse dude. Yeah, there's some that, that are fine, but you know, Fort Williams Fist, I mean, clear winner. Give that man, give that, <laughs> give that kid five pounds. He has like so much armor, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Prog 226, Steve Dillon takes one last shot at Mean Arena with a cool cover of Matt Talon and some teammates. Nothing really to write home about, I'd say. 
Um, in the nerve center, Tharg apologizes again, or he, he apologizes for another price increase, this time for Malaysian readers. And a letter writer oh. asks about uh, judge hair choices. They they praise Midden Face McNulty and claim to be fellow Beetlejuiceans profiting from the thrill circuit trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Tharg the Egghead. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Yeah. Mid-Prog, there's a puzzle where you have to identify different parts of 2080 characters. It seems pretty fun. And in the digital copy we have, it's actually filled in by some kid, which I think is pretty good. Yeah. Um, All th- I have to say is Tiger Commander makes an appearance, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. At the end of the prog, there's an answer for the puzzle and a list of some cool comic conventions and just some random alien drawings from readers. Finally, mm-hmm. 227, Countdown to Meltdown. Ballardinelli draws a final Meltdown Man cover as Stone launches that nuclear cruise missile. In the, in the Spoilers. Yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg <laughs> plugs Rogue Trooper, which is going to show up next next prog and next episode for us. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. The letters praise the creativity of Strontium Dog. They give us a dread poem and ask about months. Uh, Tharg will give five pounds to anyone who guesses Munz's true nature, although I get the feeling that that's more of a do-our-work-for-us kids sort of contest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mid-Prog, there's a feature on the upcoming Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV series, which I've seen and is pretty good if you're okay with, like, 1981-era BBC special effects and laugh tracks and stuff. You know, it is what it is. Okay. The, uh, the Prog... I've and- never seen it. It's It's fine. You know, Zephod Beeblebrox's head is not particularly convincing, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The prog ends with a few more reader drawings of 2080 characters, including a pretty good hoagie, Dread mounting his bike, Johnny Alpha and Sticks, and even an Amtrak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I'm pretty proud of. That that one was clearly not a trace. No, I Although don't. I feel like the sword looks very Sword of Omens-esque. Yeah, I feel like it might not be a trace from Return to Armageddon, but it feels like it's coming from something. I don't know. You, you can go crazy trying to parse these things too much, Fox. That's that's my feeling about it. <laughs> Stare into the void, huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, actually, <laughs> when it comes to staring into the void, Fox, let's go to Thrill 4, Judge Dredd. Whoa. Script Robot, John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as TV Grover. Art Robots, Ron Smith and Brian Ball in Letter Robot. That Tom Frame. Tom, 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 Tom. That's all I got. All right. Frame. <laughs> let's uh, finish Beautiful. up. Let's finish up the Mega Rackets here, Fox. Oh, man. So, the Mofiosa. There are these guys. They're causing a big old mob war among the mega rackets. There's elevators full of dead bodies, drive-by shootings, all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. Eventually, everyone decides the war is bad for business, and the heads of the rackets call a meeting with the Mufiosa. The justice- Definitely for not trying to kill them, though. No, this no, we won't bring guns, man. The Justice Department, of course, <laughs> tracks all this and prepares the riot squad. Despite being patted down, the bo- the bosses have planned for violence. They're tossing around explosive watches and shooting guys with cane guns and all kinds of stuff. Things it's are- pretty great. <laughs> Things are getting rough until the judges roll in with riot hoses that incapacitate both the crooks and the aliens who are vulnerable to water. The uh, the mofioso try to try to claim self defense once again, like in last uh, episode, but. The judge has a general, but dread is general rule of thumb. One instance, one instance of self of self defense is fine. A second is a booking offense. 
take these guys to the alien pen. <laughs> so great. But man, I was I, I had to rush through those mega rackets, Fox, because we're all here for mm-hmm. one thing this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the return. And that's, uh, you know, well, let's get to it. At the Hall of Justice. <sighs> Cy Judge Anderson lies in state, encased in Boeing, trapping both her and the evil Judge Death that resides inside her mind. Supreme sacrifice. A monster dwells within her. You'll, of course, remember Judge Death from episode 41, um, episodes 41 and 42 of this podcast, of course, Fox. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. A citizen remains behind after the tour and uses a laser torch to punch a hole in the Boeing and in the judge garden the exhibit late at night. This hole allows Judge Death's cloud-like spirit to flow free. And this judge surprises Death is the dude. Free. I thought maybe he was working for death or something, but instead it's just like, no, he just seems crazy. Yeah, like death possesses the guy and walks off into the night, killing judges as he goes. The whole thing's soon discovered. Dred's called in and Anderson is free. Check everyone who came in here. We've got to find death stat. So, so, so yeah, the man returns to his home at, at in the Billy Carter block. Billy Carter, of course, being the beer-making brother of President Jimmy Carter. Um, and I guess, yeah, his wife was being held hostage, but has been killed, mm. even though he did what he was requested of by the other three, by the three dark judges, Fear, Fire, and Mortis. It's the coolest fucking shot, like, just all black with them silhouetted just looking so sweet. Absolutely, yeah. All these judges are cool, man. Uh, Judge Mortis has like a uh, like like a goat skull head. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Judge Fire is on fire and sort of a flaming skeleton <laughs> dude. And Judge Death is like covered in armor, and he's got this face, and, and, and like his helmet has like this furnace um, grate on it that he can like open and close. <laughs> so silly. It's good, dude. So. It's time to bring back Judge Death. The uh, the man who sort of freed him is dra- has his whole life force drained away by Judge Mortis and is treated by these weird uh, dead fluids. As which we don't know what yeah. they are. We saw them last time too, I guess. Uh, Dread heads out to the Billy Carter block as Death takes possession of his new body and dons his garb of office. The judge de- the dark judges explain that when Death did not return. They know it. They, uh, they, they, they came to try to free him. And now it's time to bring the justice of death to this world. And hey, we brought this orb that yeah. makes a giant shield around whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Death activates a shield orb that creates a glowing, like, field around the Billy Carter block. Dread and the judges can't get in. And the dark judges begin their grim work, killing everybody at a swanky party. It's pretty great. Just setting people on fire, yeah. sticking their arms through people, uh, showing people their face through their weird faceplate. And f- scaring them to death, apparently. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> yeah. you kind of get a sense of all the uh, Dark Judge's powers in this in this prog. Hmm. Uh, citizens try to escape the block, the, uh, the block, but as they run into the shield, Wrong they idea. are instantly incinerated. <laughs> 50 people die. Dred's like, we can't worry about them. There's 70,000 people on that block and they're all in mortal danger. Yeah, like, he's just like, 50. Talk to me when we get to the 70. Right. Am I right? That's not even like 1%. 
the dark judges are rampaging through Billy Carter. They're sentencing everyone they come across. There's even like some little comedy spots where like death visits someone in the shower and like kills them there and stuff. Um, oh God! Outside the block, Judge Anderson arrives to give Dread the lowdown about the three judges, the th- the uh, the four dark judges being in there. Back inside, the block defense corps tries to make a stand against the judges, but their weapons have no effect. Back outside, in Peanut Park, in Peanut Park, final pl- final stand in Peanut Park. Because like uh, his brother, right? Fucking Carter liked peanuts or whatever. Oh, that's right. He was a peanut yeah. farmer. It had nothing to do with Billy Carter, but whatever. I mean, I feel like peanuts, they, they right? grew up on a peanut farm, you know? Oh, there you go. Maybe that's the thing. It's close enough. I just didn't realize. Yeah. So, back <laughs> out... Tangential peanut connection. No, it's fine, man. That's an important connection to make, I think. Back outside, Anderson uses her psychic abilities to allow both her and Dredd to breach the shield and enter the block, but death instantly senses a sexy hug first. Well, you know, they gotta kind of do a, do a lean on me, lean on you as we push through this psychic barrier, you know? So All I'm saying is, I like Judge Anderson. <laughs> hey, why not? As well you should. So, Dredd and Anderson are through, the Dark Judges split up, and Anderson senses the location of the shield. They make their way to find it, but are stopped by Judge Fire. After so a, cool. After a can of Boeing proves to be ineffective, and in fact, it kind of makes things worse, uh, Dredd collapses <laughs> the ceiling onto the flaming judge, trapping him under the rubble. Anderson and Dredd arrive at the apartment with the shield in it, and they confront Judge Fear. Uh, Fear sort of tosses... Bear trap? Yeah, like a like like one of those toothed like slam shut bear traps. That Anderson catches her, um, and so who seems fine. It doesn't seem to have pierced her in any way. No, it just sort of catches her and attaches to her, I guess. And then he grabs Dread, opens his face mask, gaze into the face of fear. <laughs> but you know, Judge Dread, man, fear doesn't work on that guy. Instead, it's time for you to gaze into the fist of dread. Just punches him right through the helmet. This is easily the most famous Judge Dread panel of all time. Jesus, the gaze into the fist it's- of dread, into the fist of debt of of dread. It's on T-shirts. It's on everything. <laughs> it's so great. It's so awesome. Anderson hits hits fear with some incendiary rounds and dread takes out the shield as the spirit of fear flies away the shield is down and it's time to hit the block with everything you've got next time death's dark dominion dude these dark judges dude oh they're so good they're so evil they're pretty sweet they're pretty sweet i i've got to say the judge fear is the goofiest goof it, <laughs> like there's this shot of him like when they're all showing their powers, like walking around doing it, mm-hmm. there's all these bodies around him, mm-hmm. right? As he's leaning, hunched over, opening up his thing, showing a guy's face, saying, gazing into the guys of fear. And I'm just thinking, is he going like one by one? It's true. Like, he's definitely, as opposed to even like a dread, like a death and mortis who just sort of jammed their fists into people and stuff. Death apparent, death or a, sorry, fear seems to like to really make each kill a personal event, you know? He's got a speech yeah, you know, planned really out. getting close. Does a thing. Meanwhile, Judge Fire is just like, oh, I'm burning everybody, I don't care, he's, whatever. He's like my favorite. He looks so awesome, and he's just like, I'm gonna burn you with my fire trident. Yeah, he's just like a trident-wielding fascist human torch. It's great. 
<laughs> oh, it's so amazing. And then you had one other one who, yeah, I like who you these liked. Guys. Oh, yeah, totally. They're good, dude. These dark judges. If you like, uh, uh, if, if, if you want more backstory, this, there's a, a long running story called Fall of Dead World that's got all the backstory for, um, what? For Judge Death's world and stuff. It's sort of still ongoing by a semi-friend of the podcast, uh, uh, Keck W and stuff. It's real good. It's got a real, it's got a real interesting art style and stuff. And it's still, it's still like going on. Like, you know, new chapters of it are appearing in the progs as we speak. And it actually does parts to, it actually like makes Judge Fear a lot scarier and just sort of, you get a chance to kind of see him sort of, you know, going around Dead World and being all terrifying, everybody being freaked out by him and stuff, you know? That's great. I want to read that. Hey, man, we just got to go, you know, like 1,800 more progs? Uh, Maybe like 1,700 uh, we'll get there. uh, It's coming. Honestly, there's going to be a lot more Judge Judge Death stuff as we just make our way through. Um, He's a popular villain and stuff, you know. Anyhow, anyhow, Fox... While Judge Death is just getting started, it's we finally reached the end for Thrill Five Meltdown Man. Got this such a weird comic. When's he gonna melt? Um anyhow. <laughs> Why isn't he using his melty powers? What is in the name? He's melts. What's in the name? Yeah, so script robot Alan Hebden, <laughs> art robot Massimo Bello Dinelli, letter robot Jack Potter. So uh, Stone gives us the lo- Nick Stone gives us the lowdown on this recently found nuclear cruise missile, and oh man, it's cool. Meanwhile, the whole team is aboard this stolen pirate ship, and the coast is swarming with super UGs. They're tough. They're smart. Smart enough to avoid Stone's attempt to snipe them. The team goes to sail off into the distance, but they're followed by Super Yugi's and rowboats. Uh, Which, oh God, like, and then they gotta shoot the rowboats and anchor the rowboats. And then, like, the rope, yeah, Stone and Liana shoot them, T-Bone anchors them, and then the, the, super, the super Predator Yugi's keep on swimming towards them. Um, That's ridiculous. Eventually, Louis the Lion leans out to shoot them, but he gets dragged underwater by the mutants, and he dies. No, Louis the Lion! You were around for, like, a few issues. We're just shedding these uh, secondary characters, man. Um, Yeah, man. The team agrees to team up with the minks aboard the ship to deal with this super predator Yuji threat as they head to the town of Northway and try to go into harbor, but they find the whole place in flames. Oh, God, what happened here? Uh, the team finds the harbor full of uh, dead super predators and talking to the survivors. It turns out there was a huge conflict between them and those desert brigands that we met earlier. All right. Awesome. I like those guys. Yeah. Camel man. The team travels south to find the conflict still going on with cheetah men clawing the hell out of super predators as Caleb the camel cheers them on. Uh, it's like, oh, that's right. They go nuts when their fear is induced <laughs> yeah, in when, them. Yeah, some 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 UGs fight when they're afraid instead of flight. Flight, you know. Uh, so great. Stone is planning to use the nuke to take out the super predator facility in Snow City, and his new army heads out to secure a helicopter plant to deliver the missile. They make a quick alliance with the predators there because all UGs got to team up in the face of these super predators. But Stone returns to find the nuke has been stolen by that dastard Polax who's taken it to Lee Shar. Who is still alive. 
Every, yeah, I don't understand this. So, in Snow City, Leeshar orders whole new armies of super predators that he heads out to meet with Polax about the nuke. He rebuffs Tiger Commander at this point, tells Tiger Commander. Worst fucking mistake of his goddamn life. He tells him to just, like, take a vacation. I'm gonna do something. Um, Tiger Commander finally sees the writing on the wall here. (laughs) He, uh, he mutinies. He countermands the order to, like, kill a million Yuji's to make more super predators. And, and none of the, like, none of the minks or, or, like, other predators really wanted to do that anyway. They're like, do you know how hard that's going to be? No one's like, going to go with that. And, like, I just want to be responsible for, like, genociding my own people, you know, to make a bunch of yeah. crazy stitched together mutants. Like, that's terrible, you know? Um, yeah. Tiger Commander agrees and countermands Leishar's o- orders and plans to shut down Super Predator production f- once and for all. All right, Tiger Commander! Dude, he's so awesome. Before we move on, yeah. by the way, there's there's this shot in uh, in Prague 225 right as Meltdown Man is starting. They're building the giant Super UG, mm-hmm. and there's actually another scientist guy on the far left of the frame who's getting strangled by the tail that yeah. <laughs> they're trying to put they're, on it. They're alive as they put them together. It's pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like not great being a scientist for Lee Shar. Is what it's I'm finding out. Everybody, everybody but Lee Shar is having a bad time. Dude. So, meanwhile, uh, Nick Stone and Billy the Pup track down Polax, and they get they get the drop on him right as Lee Shar arrives. But so, so there's no safety there, so they get out of there. Lee Shar takes the nuke and drops Polax out of a helicopter. No, Polax! I like that bear guy. Shoot. He's evil, but now he's dead. <laughs> Fuck that bear. Yeah. Lee Shar seems unstoppable, but unbeknownst to Stone, Tiger Commander has found a way to completely destroy the Super Predator complex. Dude. So, Lee Shar has the nuke, but he doesn't know how to use it. Fox, those things are complicated. Meanwhile, <laughs> Tiger Commander fights Too his, many buttons. Yeah. Tiger Commander fights his way to Super Predator Production Facilities Control Center, where he overloads the boiler and sets it all to blow. Tiger Commander goes out in a blaze of glory, ending the entire Super Yuji Production Center with him, blowing up the entirety of Snow City. It's super awesome and a great send-off for my favorite side character in this whole thing. Dude, Tiger Commander, it was the name, the legend, the explosion. Tiger Commander, we always love you and we'll always miss you. Um, okay. <laughs> Lee Char- words have never been spoken. <laughs> hey, mourn you. Mor- I'll, uh, I'll mourn you till I join you, Tiger Commander. Um. <laughs> Dude, oh, so, that's a great tattoo. So, Lashar, so Lashar heads back to the capital of Sudermunda to prepare for the for a counterstrike. Word of the destruction reaches Stone, and he forms a plan. Step one: he surrenders to Lashar and offers to operate the cruise missile. He's finally gonna melt. Oh my god! <laughs> Fucking god, it took him so long. The final. Prague of Meltdown Man. The people of the world, human UGN predator, have all come together for one cause. Death to Lishar. No doubt. The guy is being a total chode. Being a real bad guy. Weapons are distributed and attack is planned as Stone programs the cruise missile at gunpoint. The missile is launched. 
but it was a double cross. I mean, you know, Lee Shar, of course, just decides to double cross Stone and like shoot him, but Stone's like, yeah, no, I figure you would because you're a, a jerk. <laughs> Everybody knows it. We talk about it all the time behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> your cape is stupid. No one likes your hair and you look like a doofus. Yeah, you're dumb. What kind of name is Lee Shar, buddy? It's a bad name. Yeah, uh, so the, mis- the missile turns back around as it flies, which I don't know if a cruise missile really has that much fine maneuvering, but whatever. And slams. I mean, it looks like an airplane, yeah. whatever. It slams directly into the capital destroying Stone, Leeshar, and all the super predators in one huge mushroom cloud of destruction! And I guess just leaving his friends behind to deal with it. But, I mean, oh wait, wrap-up time. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they can handle it, I suppose. And meanwhile, in the Gilligan's Island school of you lose your memory when you get hit in the head by a coconut, and then another hit to the head of the <laughs> coconut restores your memory? Uh, <laughs> being caught in a second nuclear blast has sent Stone back to Earth in our time. Or, well, you know, to the Jersey Turnpike, but close enough, I suppose. Oh, I mean, there are worse places. Oh, I mean, shit. Maybe. <laughs> as as this happens, Dude. it sends both Stone and Lishar back, but then Lishar uh, dissolves into the air, like that one episode of Star Trek where there were those gangsters on the holodecks and they walked outside, you know what I'm talking oh. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, exactly. So, I love you. I love you so much right now. <laughs> trying to make these references, buddy. Uh, Stone theorizes that he'll he'll have to warn people that sorry that he'll theorize that he'll warn people and they'll be able to avoid the asteroid strike that caused the UG world in the first place, so that it never really existed, and none of that stuff matters and never happened except that is in Stone's Nick Stone's memory. Oh yes. So basically, the end of Meltdown, all of his man. friends don't exist. Well, all of his UG friends, presumably as human friends, he hangs out with. <laughs> He's an SAS super agent. He's got friends. I mean, he could have like some other SAS guys. You know, it could be like they could help all hang out like like Liam Neeson and Taken and talk about like the missions they do and stuff. But he was like all alone in the desert. You remember when he was, he was doing, all he was alone on in the a, desert? Yeah, he was on a mission. He was taking out yeah, terrorists. You know. No, but it's true, because then a shadowy CIA guy was playing with his cat and being like, oh, I guess there's no one to take care of Stone's effects or whatever. Maybe he'll have a new lease on life and he's come back to life and stuff. (laughs) He doesn't own his cat anymore, so he's going to get a new cat. I mean, that's what you do when you've been lost in the future for a year or whatever. But man, so Meltdown... disapproves of this joke. (laughs) Man, Meltdown Man lasted 50 progs with no breaks. Jesus Christ. With the same art team the whole time. A massive achievement that I don't think has ever been equal before or since. Um, God, 50 progs without a break? Yeah, from 178 to now. And they really wanted to tell this story. They really just had a plan and just kept it rolling this whole time. It's just been like, you know, I don't think it's a... It, it, it's I don't, it's rarely been the best thing in the prog, but it's been a good mid-level runner for a lot of it, I'd say. Um, I mean, you know, I've fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it. yeah, it's had its ups and downs, whatever, but it's it's better than Angel. It's and better it, than Mach 1. And it gave, uh, it gave the prog a, a, a sense of consistency, like there was always Meltdown Man doing his thing, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. So, Alan Hebden will go on to write a bunch of, like, Future Shocks and other sort of one-shot stuff for 2080, but only one more real, like, multi-prog story, I guess. Massimo Bellardinelli will be back in Prog 232 when we roll out with Ace Truck and 1010, good buddy. Damn. I'm excited. 
Should be pretty I good. I like Bella Dinelli, right? Yeah, man. Always a good choice. You know, he's always good. Good at drawing weird stuff and um, Ace Trucking's <laughs> full of weird aliens, so it's definitely playing to his strengths, you know? As, right. Yeah. It should be exciting. And uh, speaking of exciting action, Fox. <laughs> Thrill Six. Mean Arena. <laughs> Sorry, I just... I'm like, eh. Yeah. I, do you like how they bring in characters in Mean Arena? They give them names now so that they can kill them later? <laughs> Script Robots Tom yeah, Tully. spoilers. Art Sorry. Robots Steve Dillon and Eric Bradbury. Letting Robot Pete Knight. So... We start off. There's one last story by Steve, by with Steve Dillon doing art, and I really love his art in this one. It's got like a mm-hmm. like I kind of just like to me. I I tried to describe it, and I felt like it was like a almost like just conventional superhero comic art. Like it's got a very sort of American sense to me that makes it look different mm-hmm. than a lot of the other stuff in the comics. And I think still, but still good. I'm not. That's not a diss. That's just like how I'm trying to classify it. I guess. Yeah. Well, it feels very of its time, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree yeah. with like, like kind of a superhero esque style. Like everyone's very cut jawed and yeah. like feminine lines and mm-hmm. things like that. So, anyhow, the Jensen affair is wrapped up with a combination of reporter Sheena Lloyd appearing with a video recording uh, showing that Talon's acting in self defense, and with wheelchair bound billionaire Rolo Hardy also showing up and just kind of throwing his weight around as a rich guy. Um, I love it when this dude shows up. He's such a crazy wheelchair goblin guy. I don't know. Um, Lloyd requests an interview with an interview, but Talon refuses. So instead, she covers the murders of the Jensens as a monstrous example of street justice instead of self defense based around street justice. Um, Boom! She's just in it for the money. Hey, who isn't? I, I guess Matt Talon, who's in it for revenge. Um, anyhow, <laughs> after that, it seems like we're transitioning back to more of a straight sports comics for some reason. We like yeah. we meet the rest of Slater of the Slater Slayers team. There's Sourpuss, the morose goal keeper, Hangman, the lasso loving right flank blocker, screaming Sid, the right inner blocker and boomerang specialist, Dirty Nigel, eaten out of a trash can at left inner blocker, Crazy Lil, who plays center blocker and will cut you if you take a gr- her, her vid comic. There's also <laughs> Strikers, J.T. Venner, and Don Barrett, who we met previously, as well as Shield Men, Napoleon Jones, and Rick, Ro- and Rick Rogan. Rick Rogan, who apparently is A-OK with uh, with this whole vendetta thing. Mm-hmm. There's a quick scrimmage, and Hangman, Hangman snags Rick with his lasso and starts to, like, try to really hurt him because he's gone, gone street happy. Uh, but the kid's saved by a timely bullet by Matt Talon's droid pistol. It's time Seems for our... Seems like something a normal nice guy would do. I guess. Uh, it's time for our next <laughs> match against the Penzance Riggers. So, yeah. yeah. Talon tosses Hangman through a wall to cool him out a little bit. And it's time, and, and, and then it's game time. Uh, rather than scare people off, crowds come out in drove to, droves to see the, the, the Slayer of the Slayers. Uh, uh, <laughs> Which, total backfire, man. Totally. So, Penn, so this team was, 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 a drawn, was, uh, designed by a reader, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, okay. I was going to ask and, that once you got a breath in, cause like, yeah. I was curious. Yeah. It's sort of, yeah. I, I, I remember when, when this one was, uh, was, was mailed in and stuff. But so, mm. apparently Penzance is a small town in Cornwall in England. 
and had a fictional oil boom and then bust at the turn of the 20th century, which leads to their team having an oil rig themed team and is thus not unlike that Scottish oil rig team that the Harlem Heroes played way back in <laughs> Prague 12, episode three of this podcast. Jesus. Think back, man. Oh, or sports gosh. comics with, uh, with oil themed teams, please. I guess that's how it goes. Um, so, couple things against uh, Matt Talon. There are a couple things lined up against Matt Talon here. Uh, one is that the uh, chief referee Hendricks, who we now see handling Matt Talon's droid pistol, is uh, working mm. for one of the people who Talon is, is, has sworn revenge on. The other is that one of the riggers is an android programmed to kill Matt Talon. <laughs> Which, you know. And it's like super obvious. This guy is like basically just, he's one step away from just being like, beep boop, kill Talon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which I find very offensive. Uh, oh, of course. Misrepresent, cultural appropriation. Um, so, hey, wait I'm a minute. Saying. So, anyhow, Fox, did we like blink our eyes and suddenly Mean Arena is just a straight up sports comic again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the ball shoots out of a tube like in Harlem Heroes. People jump for the ball, like in Harlem Heroes, yeah. and someone gets kicked in the gut, like what is in Harlem here? <laughs> yeah, the ball is then claimed by Don Barrett of the Slayers, who advances until he's stopped by rigor player Meeker, who's a big crazy guy, and, you know, the robot. Uh, Barrett makes the pass to Talon and moves <laughs> to score, easily dodging two more Riggers players, one of whom falls into a gross sludge hole. Uh, help me out of this sludge hole, Talon. That's what's for your teammate to do, buddy. I'm not going to help you know, opposition. <laughs> Such a dick. Hey, man, he's playing the game. Talon takes a shot on gold and hits a rebound and scores three points to the Slayers. Goal! This really feels exactly like Harlem Heroes. It's very similar. The ball yeah, goes back into play. Time. It's quickly stolen by Talon, who seems ready to score again when he's confronted in an alley by Meeker, who has the glowing eyes and crazed, crazed demeanor of a murder droid. Next time, <laughs> deadly is the droid. Hey, guess what? Bet your bottom dollar that his fucking droid gun doesn't work or some shit. Hey, that crooked referee did inspect it right before the match. That's all I'm saying. Mm, these plots... Yeah. Thick. Indeed. Hey, speaking of thick and complicated plots, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't actually expecting that was good. Thrill 7 Future Shocks. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, man. That's good. Three Future Shocks this week, Fox. First up, The Machine. Script Robot. Kelvin Gosnell, art robot, Jesus Redondo, lettering robot, Tony Jacobs. Man, computers, am I right? Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> they've been coming around since China times. At a chemist shop outside London, which is a pharmacy to us Americans, Fox. Um, they have a new stocking computer that orders stuff automatically, but it starts making weird orders. One day... Um, the shop gets a huge order of plasma and field dressings, and moments later there's a huge van crash, and all the items are used to help the victims. Uh, oh, that's weird. Yeah. We got all this stuff that helps with that. Same same deal a few weeks later when a load of vaccine arrives for a virus that suddenly starts plaguing the area, and then suntan lotion when there's a huge heat wave. 
In November? That's crazy. So what's going on? The chemist calls the warehouse and the manager there is freaking out because apparently everything there is automatic and computer controlled and it's making moves and he's not telling them to make it and all these computers are talking to each other and it's just, you know, it's the singularity, buddy. That's all. That's he, singu- says, like, he says a lot of words in like freaked out posts. <laughs> Basically, it's just it's the singularity, but it's a singularity where it just makes sure that you get like, you know, your favorite cereals delivered to Walgreens <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's the worst possible singularity. I think it's We're the, making money. I think it's the best possible singularity, dude. Like, I'm sorry. So this story ends with the shop getting a ton of radiation kits and stuff. And then it turns out there was a nuclear sneak attack on London. And so he's like, all right, we got to man the shop as the mushroom cloud rises. But I'm just saying that, like, I'd rather have a singularity where the robots are just stocking the stores with products that I need versus being like put in a big battery tube and just living the rest of my life in there, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like step one, uh, like do the job we were meant to do. I I wouldn't be freaking out. Also, uh, you know, I guess like nuclear bomb, why wouldn't they just tell us like, Hey, it's going to happen. But I guess, Maybe you know, their th- job is to sell products. Yeah, maybe they aren't talking to those computers. Or it's this is some sort of weird sales campaign where they drop the nukes just to increase sales oh. of radiation kits. Oh, my Whoa, God. false flag. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> London sneak attack was an inside job. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I like you, Conrad. I like you. You're doing, my friend. Doing the best here. All right. So next up, oh. we get we got seeing is believing. Script robot Kelvin oh, Gosnell. So weird. Art robot Colin Wilson. Letter robot Pete Knight. So plain old day in the town of Eddington until the space invaders attack. Luckily, the town is just full of these howitzers that they can use to drive the aliens <laughs> off. <laughs> Jim, a it's local like the dude, video yeah, game. It's, it's way like a video game. Like this, the Space Invaders even look like the ships from Space Invaders. Which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, Jim, yep. a local dude, is killed in the fighting, but then comes to at home, and no one seems to make a big deal about this. But even though he died, and so he, but but he does, so he freaks out. He heads out of town. He passes strange scenes, including like full scale tank battles and stuff. Eventually, <laughs> he reaches the ends of the road. And uh, finds just a wall there. There's nothing. The wall. The world just ends. Suddenly, it's like a matte painting that looks super real. Yeah, it's just you know, it's this is just the plot of like at least seven different movies from the years 19, 1997 to two thousand one, basically. Um, a giant face appears. Uh, it informs him that all of Eddington died in Tom a neutron Selleck bomb. Tom Selleck appears. It's super Tom Selleck-y. <laughs> Yeah, they all died in a neutron bomb accident, but the whole town was digitized and put into a computer system. The process was expensive, but now the digital town and townsfolk, so, and sorry, it, it was expensive, and to pay for it, the town and townsfolks are rented out to be characters in video games. Um, Jim realizes so this weird. truth as the world pixelates around him. Oh, we're all just spirits trapped in an eternal video game. Descartes was right. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely how it works, by the way. Jesus made situation. This is how it operates. Oh, video games are just a various dead people's spirits, like launched into games and stuff. All oh your, yeah, put all on your sim- foil hat there. All your Sims are actually just your dead relatives, or the or dead spirits that you craft and mold to do your bidding. 
Ooh, all I'm saying is this was the Bilderberg uh, Trambrick group Whoa. plan all along. Super conspiracy in this one. I'm wondering how we're going to bring it on to this third story here, which is... Oh, great. <laughs> Which is scrambled eggs, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Gary Leach, lettering robot Bill Nuttall. This is a weird-ass story. Um, it's quick, though. So basically, <laughs> there's a planet full of, full of aliens that look like Slow Loris, and it's beset by this giant space monster. It, like, flies around, it goes to the moon and a couple nearby planets, cracks those planets open like eggs, revealing that they are eggs, each with uh, young space monsters inside them, but they're all stillborn and dead. Um, the monster finally comes to the slow Loris planet. There's a big earthquake, and this time the baby monster, this baby space monster is alive! Oh! I mean, this story would have made perfect sense if all these aliens were, hu- were, uh, were humans. If, if this story took, 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 took place on Earth, and it was like cracking open Mars and Venus and stuff. Um, as it is, I don't understand, like, there needs to be some extra bit to explain why there are aliens in there, you know? Like, if this had actually turned out to be just happening on a bunch of, like, um, on a bunch of, like, eggs that someone was making breakfast with or something like that, you know? Yeah, where's the weird twist? It's like, uh, you know, these eggs sure aren't that fresh or something like that. Yeah. A giant bird comes out of his pan or some it, shit. It, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, as it is, it's kind of like, well, why are these guys like ra- raccoon people, you know? Like, <laughs> why is it a twist or a big ending that there's a live monster inside our planet, you know? I don't know. It's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's missing. It needs an ex, it, it needs at least one more panel, if you ask me. All planets are babies. Fair. I mean, fair enough. I mean, I mean, uh, there's no pr- confused bam bam bam, or maybe like a maybe like a wah wah wah. Oh yeah, okay, good. I'll, you I'll, missed out on yeah, this one. I'll I'll find that one for sure. I got it. Hey, no no worries. <laughs> YouTube here I come. Thanks. <laughs> Do my best. All right. <laughs> God, Conrad. Oh. And. Okay, here we go, Fox. We're done with the thrills for this month. August 1981. Holy jeez. This was a big month. What were your top and bottom thrills for this month, Fox? Yeah, big five prog month. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of classic stuff going on. What do you think? Man, I don't, I don't know. This one's, okay, so it's easiest for me to just say top first, which is very clearly Nemesis the Warlock. Mm. The beautiful fucking art the badass like just the crazy shit going on like people are terrible Uh, termite is awful and beautiful and horrible and nemesis the warlock is the most awesome (laughs) sure mishmash of stuff without genitals i have ever seen in my life they could just be shadowed we don't know for sure Okay, that's fair. Maybe maybe he's got like a you know an inside thing going on. I mean, he's like but a the, demon monster. Could have a cloaca or something. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. Anyhow, like, I, who, anyhow, <laughs> just discerning the sex of a let's of move, nemesis the yeah, warlock. Let's, let's, it's let's it's amazing. Moving. The ships are beautiful. Like the the crazy townspeople, the insane um, architecture, and the insane. Uh, religious figures like mm-hmm. it's just so good absolutely yeah uh, ne- nemesis is real awesome so do you have a bottom thrill what's what came in last this week? <sighs> i mm, god damn it 
they're all really good. You know what I'm going to say? You know what, Meltdown Man, you're off the hook, because Tiger Commander... That's the, you know, I was, I have in, an, a problem with how it ended, mm-hmm. particularly, but it's not last. I'm going to give that to the Mean Arena. So even though Mean Arena is fine, like you should read it, it's good. Um, mm. You got to stop like uh, changing your your identity on me here, man. If you're mm-hmm. going to go sports comic with Murder Vendetta, or if you're going to be Murder Vendetta trying to be a sports comic... Like, don't lead me in with this and then, like, make it a vendetta murder thing again, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) Murder on the field. I hear you. Be the bad guys in all of Harlem Heroes, right? Be Artie (laughs) Gruber. At least he showed up on fucking court. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so how about you, Conrad? Top and bottom. Oh, man, this month is a re- this month is like early contender for top month in, uh, in, in the oh, spinnings this yeah. year. Gotta be. Um, someone's gonna have to really, one of these other, like, like, you know, September, October, November, December, gonna have to really fucking show out if they're gonna try to take this from August. Um, I gotta say Judge Dredd, dude. Oh, man. Oh, fuck yeah, bud. Uh, Judge Death and these Judge Dark Judges, they're so awesome. They're so, and it's such a big, mo- and you know, this is something that, that, that sort of you don't bring with it, Fox, but for me, um, mm-hmm. it's just such a, uh, it's such a load-bearing thing for Judge Dredd, this idea of these dark judges and their dead world and just all these different characterizations of them and stuff like that. Anderson coming back, all that stuff. It's so important for the future of Judge Dredd. It's such a historic storyline. This storyline itself is just so, like, it's, a, it's such a Dredd classic, you know? It's one of those ones Damn. that's there with, like, the cursed earth that we've seen. You know, this is something that, like, you know, you look it up and this is like one of Dredd's primary antagonists. And this is the best. And, you know, this combined with the first Judge Death story is just such a, a key moment, you know, um, that it's got to really awesome for me. It's got to be top. Just, just knowing what I know and stuff like that. That said, and also, also I feel comfortable, um, saving nemesis for like, you know, coming months. We're going to have more nemesis. There's plenty of time for me to make that the top and just be like, yeah, there's demons in space, bro. Um, (laughs) but everything, everything's real. I mean, man, like dread, like I was saying before the thing, like, like I liked the end of meltdown, man. I thought it was, I I thought it was a good end, had a lot of dramatic moves Mm. and stuff. You know, I kind of like, you know, uh, uh, tap my, you know, do the, uh, do the fist bump for Tiger Commander and stuff like that to the point where like, a very like emotional, like rocky, like action packed strontium dog story is like my fourth favorite thrill this month. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, but that said, Fox mm. bottoms, bottoms got to be an arena. Get out of here with you with, with this. <laughs> there were three of them. It's changing tones in a weird way. Just suddenly gives us a whole ton of cast members that are, I don't know if I'm going to remember all these guys, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, it's teasing me around. It's changing art styles. There's only three of it this month. Mean Arena's real easy last. Well, and I, I remember it like uh, there was, I think it was the first issue that we went through. And there was a mean arena. And it's mm-hmm. like, next prog, this thing. And then like for two progs, it didn't fucking show up. Yeah, that's what happened this month. I was where like, was, uh, oh. Yeah, there was one, and it was like, next up, the Penzance rigors, and then no Mean Arena for two episodes, for two issues, and then, um, and then it showed up. So yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. Usually it says, like, it'll sh- it'll come back at this point, right? Like, yeah. just thought that was sort of odd. Totally. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, no, get out of here, Mean Arena. And I hope everybody else enjoyed the show. You can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Come back next time as Johnny and Wolf get involved in the kid knee caper. Judge Dredd reads the diary of a mad citizen. Uh, Nemesis fights just all kinds of crazy stuff. Just, just Nemesis remains awesome. And <laughs> Rogue Trooper rolls out onto the fields of New Earth to kill Nortz and get revenge. Nane! Nane! It's oh my god. Great. Sounds cool. Yeah. I want in. Until next time, I'm Conrad He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for Thrig! Splendid for Thrig!